bringing it home with Sarah and Tanil. Hey, Sarah. Hey, friend. Well, here we are. I know, and today's a special day. Uh, it is. Yes. Every day is special. I know, but today's a bonus special. Okay, what's up today? <laughs> today is my daughter's 10th birthday. Happy birthday, Bailey Ann. I know, I cannot believe she's 10. 10, double digits. I know, she's she's been counting down since last birthday. Well, I tell you <laughs> what, I can think of a way that she'd probably like to celebrate. Oh, she loves to swim, and that's what Swimming. we're talking about. Yes. May 24th. Yes, this week. This week? Yeah. Okay. This week. Healthy and safe swimming week. Right. Is right now. Which is perfect because next weekend is Memorial Weekend. People's pools are open. The pools are, are going to be open. People are going to be vacationing, going to the beach. Yes. It's, yes, it's very timely. Okay. Well, here are my statistics because you know I have to throw some in. According to the CDC, 36% of children 7 to 17, so Bailey Ann fits in that category, okay. and 15% of adults swim at least six times per year. Okay. So, does your family fit into those numbers? 100% yes. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Yes. We have several friends that have pools that we they invite us over. And, and then we have family that goes to the river, so they're swimming there. Okay. All right. So yeah. you get into the statistic there. Yeah. Now, swimming is the fourth most popular recreational activity in the U.S. and the most popular for youth. Okay. That's not surprising. I don't know of many kids that don't want to go to the pool. There is a lot of swimming going on. So to talk about swimming, we brought in somebody who swims a little bit more than we do. She spends more time in the water than we do. Right. On the phone, we have Elisa Ifantis. Hi, Elisa. Hi. Now, you're in the water a lot, and the reason you're in the water a lot is because you are what? I'm going to give you the opportunity to tell what you are. Yeah, I'm a certified ISR instructor. That stands for Infant Swimming Resource. So, I teach babies and young children um, survival skills in the water for drowning prevention. Wow, that's awesome. That is awesome. So, yes. I bet you swim like a fish then, right, Elisa? <laughs> Myself, <laughs> she doesn't want to brag or anything, but but she does. So Honestly, I think, sometimes my kids do better than I do. So. <laughs> well, now I think this is a this is trendy. You know, this is kind of recent teaching babies to swim. So, kind of, what's the science behind this, and how new is this concept? Are we just not hearing about it, or has it been around for a while? So it's actually not new at all. Um, ISR has been around for fifty years. Oh. Okay. We're just yeah, late to so the party today. It's, yeah. it's become more of, of um, a talked about subject. I would say a lot of that is because of social media. Um, right. There are even celebrities out there who um, unfortunately have had drowning incidents and they have brought that up and brought awareness. Um, there's tragic news stories, you know, that you hear about. So parents are just really starting to do their research on this and the risk that their, their children are at, um, which is an extremely high risk, actually. Um, children <clears throat> um, under the age of five are the most at risk. They uh, is actually drowning is the number one cause of accidental death in children under the age of five. And a lot of people don't realize that. So it's, it's very important to talk about this. Definitely. So would, what is the age that you would say we need to introduce our children to swimming? 
the sooner the safer. So at uh-huh. ISR, I like that. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. The sooner the safer. Yes. The sooner the safer. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, at ISR, we start at six months old. Oh wow! So, right. The the baby should be sitting up independently. As long as they've got that skill down, then they can learn how to save themselves from drowning. Oh, that's amazing. So, do, do they need to know how to crawl or, wow. or just, just sit there? Just sit there. Okay. Yeah, they actually don't have to know how to crawl. Um, many times, children can um, do this skill before they're even learning to crawl. So, if they can sit up um, independently, they have they have some, some uh, muscle, you know, built up there where they can do what it takes to... Um, roll back into their float and that's essentially what what we're teaching with the the babies is they fall into the water they can roll themselves onto their back and maintain a float where they can rest and breathe until they are um rescued essentially from their parent or whoever is around this is so amazing and so important i actually have two friends who have sent their kids their babies young toddlers to an isr class i just think it's fascinating Yeah. And you know, when I see the pictures, like she said, social media, because that's my only experience with it. You know, sometimes I I see the baby's faces and I'm trying to read. It's like, okay, is that panic? Is the baby (laughs) scared? What's the baby thinking? But Alisa, what is your experience with what the babies are actually going through? You know, when the babies come to us, um, a lot of parents do have that concern that like, oh, are they... Are they going to be, are they going to have some traumatic experience? Are they going to fear the water? And that's not the case at all. When, when babies and children come to us, um, a lot of times they are upset in the beginning and they do cry. But a lot of that reason is just due to the fact that children that age obviously have the stranger danger mindset. They're being handed to a person that they don't know. Right. Um, have attachment to their parents. So... You know, just being away from their parents and being handed to a stranger is reason enough to cry. Um, but uh, along with that, we're also putting them in a new environment mm-hmm. and mm, water. So, but we're also challenging them to learn new skills. So, all of those things are new to kids, and um, kids' primary way of communication is crying. You know, in in that stage, and mm-hmm. none That's of right. us are with learning a new skill in the beginning, you know, and that's just how they communicate. Okay. That, that makes perfect yes, sense. it does. <laughs> so, you know, what are some thoughts about the swim diapers? You know, are there some issues with that? You know, I, I haven't had any issues with that personally. With, with my swim lessons, they're only 10 minutes long. Oh, oh. wow. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking four hours. At what point do we need to change the diaper? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, you know, but just recreationally, like if, if parents have their kids out swimming, you know, and they're in a swim diaper, it's it's really just a matter of using your own judgment. Um, of course, if it's soiled, yeah, it's it. obviously, um, but, yeah. you, know, you know, that your kid has skin condition, you know, or is has sensitive skin. That's just something that um, you'll have to decide for yourself or consult with your pediatrician. Um, but overall, we don't see very many issues. That's like some good. kids, of course, got the rash or something like that. <laughs> but with my lessons in particular being short, um, we don't we don't have that issue. 
Well, let's move up in age just a little bit and talk about the the typical, you can't see me, I'm doing air quotes, typical young swimmers, you know, the preschool, the school-age children. How long do kids usually need lessons before we can safely kind of let them swim on their own? Not, not leave them unattended, but maybe let them be in the pool at a distance from the adults that are in the pool. Well, we actually advise to never be at too much of a distance. You should be technically within arm's reach. Um, and that is, you know, if, you're, if your child is a skilled swimmer, obviously um, you want to give them an opportunity to show off their skills, practice their skills um, and everything. But um, they should never really be left unattended or, I mean, like I said, let them, let them do their thing. <laughs> let them have fun. But, be close by. Be here, yeah. Well, yeah. things can happen so fast. Yeah. Right. And that kind of leads me to um, my point uh, that I wanted to share is um, the, the best way to keep your children safe is to have multiple layers of defense against drowning. So that first and most important layer is um, effective supervision constant eyes on now unfortunately obviously if you're a parent you know that that's not always going to be a hundred percent on point that your eyes are going to be glued to your child there's going to be moments where um you look away i mean that's just life that's that's reality yeah uh, but there that that is the only guarantee against drowning is is you have effective supervision um and if if that was to fail for some reason even the most you know, the best parents out there can't keep their kids constantly on their eyes. So the second line of defense is going to be your proper fencing around your pool. Um, this should be a barrier between the pool and the house. Yes. Um, yeah. That I cannot climb over. Um, it should be a self-closing and self-latching gate. Um, along with that, you want to have pool alarms. If possible, this is kind of an alarm. If somebody was to fall in, it would it would sound off that you would know some somebody's in the pool. Um, door locks, even for the house, that a child cannot um, sneak out that way. Um, kids have even been known to climb through doggy doors and kitty doors to sneak out and go get. Oh, desperate to swim! They, 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 yeah, they do. Kids are sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> they are. They will find their way if they want to, to go get in that water for whatever reason. They will find a way to do it. Um, so that's why it's very important to have that barrier around the pool as well. Now, it was interesting that you said a barrier between the house and the pool. Most of us think about a barrier that keeps you know, the outside people right. from getting like your near the yard. pool. Yeah, uh -huh. your, your yard is fenced in. But you're talking about a barrier between the house and the pool that the yes, kids can't get past. Be a barrier around that pool mm. um, that should not be open to, I mean, because obviously a child can, can get out the door. Yeah. Uh, so we all think, I mean, the typical, you know, you have a fence around your yard, around your house, but that, that should also be a barrier for the pool itself. Um, there's, there's some really great options out there. Um, if I can just shout out Lifesaver Pool Fence of Tennessee is a great option. They have a mesh pool fence, um, that is self-closing and self-latching. And with that being mesh, it's, it doesn't have like footholds or, or things where kids can crack okay. over it. Yeah. Um, and that's also temporary. You can remove it later on. 
Um, but even with that, sometimes a kid will, you know, scoot up a chair and I say, you know, and they will do what they can to get to it. So right. that third line of defense, if the first two fail, is teaching your child to be an aquatic problem solver. And that is with survival swimming lessons. Aquatic problem solver. I, I like that. I like her term. Yes. Those are okay. some great tips. I, I, we would be remiss not to ask about COVID still in the middle <laughs> of all this. But has that changed the swimming landscape? I mean, what are what's recommended for public and personally, you know, privately owned pools? So with COVID, water safety needs to be discussed now more than ever. Um, the number of drownings per year has typically been annually in the U.S. around 4,000. That number has increased even more so this last year with COVID because people are staying home. People who have pools, um, you know, are, are wanting to, to get in the water. Their kids are playing outside. That number has went up drastically. Oh, um, I hadn't thought about no, that. No, I hadn't either. Yeah. Along with, you know, people being quarantining at home, what did they want to do? They wanted to, hey, let's see about getting a pool put in our, so people who didn't have a pool yeah, are that's true. in pools. They're installing pools so that they have something to do while they're at home. Um, and if they do that, you know, that needs to come with a fence, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But, yes, the COVID has has made um, the drowning statistics increase, and it's, it's important now more than ever to talk about this. Um, so as far as you know, public safety and, and, and things like that is with the virus. Um, that's really just something that um, I would I would treat that like any other public space, um, following the CDC guidelines or right. you know, using your judgment yes. in that well, I've always had this question before COVID. Um, the the chlorine smell <laughs> at the pool. Now, the stronger that the chlorine smells, is that an indication that the pool is cleaner, <laughs> that the water is more sanitary? Or how strong should the smell be? I mean, do I need to smell chlorine like before I even <laughs> I approach smell the pool? It, I trust yeah, it. <laughs> I mean, if I don't smell it, it's hard to trust it. Am I wrong about that? <laughs> You know, not necessarily. Um, I know what you mean, though. Sometimes you get in a pool and you're like, you can smell the fumes. It's like they're singeing your nostrils. <laughs> this <laughs> is super clean. Yes. <laughs> this is some strong chlorine. You know? um, but actually, the truth is that there are certain levels that chlorine should be kept at. And public pools um, are required to keep that at a certain level per the county code. Um, the pool that I teach at currently, which is the Lift Wellness Center in Jackson, um, they do really great at maintaining their pool and keeping that at the required level. Um, if somebody has a, a pool at their home, that is something that you know you need to do your research and self-educate on um, to keep that at the right level. Yeah, that's important for sure, though. So one, one final question. We've talked about pools, but a lot of people, actually according to the CDC, about 91 million people are going to, over the age of 16, are going to swim in lakes, rivers, and oceans. So what are some things uh, that we should consider when we're swimming in those open bodies of water? I don't have to consider anything because I ain't getting in the lake, the river, but anyway, not my for those either. that are, what do they need to think about? Yeah, it, it is definitely, um, uh, it's a, that's a common thing for around here, especially we've got lakes and rivers close by. It's something that people like to do. They like to go out on their boat. Um, uh-huh. Anytime you're in an open body of water like that, 
you should be wearing a Coast Guard approved life jacket. Um, even if you're a strong swimmer, that is still suggested because it is such a large body of water. You don't know what's going to happen. That's right. Um, if you were to even go un- unconscious for some reason, um, you would want that to um, be uh, an assistance to you. Now, with life jackets in particular, you want to um, wear the type that, that keeps you in a horizontal position. Um, no no arm floaties, no restricting the arms. We need this to allow you to be able to swim in a horizontal position as well as float and get, get onto your back and be able to float like that. Okay. Um, that's where, where you're, you're going to be able to breathe effectively. Um, and, you know, speaking about that as well, uh, obviously, um, those bodies of water and everything is, is something that the older kids do, you know, don't swim alone is, is another, another thing. Um, alcohol use might, might be, uh, oh, yeah. a idea, um, for when you're out there, but, but when it comes to water safety, honestly, the younger kids are the most at risk. Um, like I said, yeah. drowning is the number one cause of accidental death in children under five. Um, so those that's that's your most at risk age group um and that's that's something that you know with with the other things i mentioned um having your layers of defense um survival swimming lessons being a third and then the fourth every parent should be cpr certified um i agree with that 100 percent cpr and, yes. and that can that can make the difference in life and death if there is an accident um, because all the other things could fail and it's just a good idea. It's a very good idea mm-hmm. to know um, how to perform CPR and, and be able to get quickly um, active if there's an accident and you're yes. waiting on first responders. Alisa, this has all been wonderful. Please tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you if they want more information. Yes, ma'am. Um, they can either email me at a.ifontis at infantswim.com. Um, that's my last name. It's a.ifantis at infantswim.com. They can also um, find my Facebook page, which is ISR of Jackson, Infant Swimming with Elisa. Um, but if, if you're not in the Jackson area and you are looking for an instructor, all you have to do is go to our, um, the ISR national website, which is infantswim.com and plug in your zip code and that will show you your closest instructor. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great tool to use. Uh So perfect. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing this information for healthy and safe swimming week. And in the words of Mr. Bob Marley, now I know he probably enjoyed a good swim. Well, I would think so. (laughs) Well, I imagine that he would, but even if he didn't, he would want us to live the life you love. And love the life you live. Happy swimming and safe swimming, everybody.